0: The Lord be with you. If you've been reading your way through the Old Testament stories, or if you've ever found yourself doing this, every now and then the whole flow of the thing gets interrupted by a really long and boring list of nearly unpronounceable names. It takes a special kind of weirdo to assign a scripture passage like that for a Sunday morning reading. Thank you, Warren, for your good work today. Most of the time, a lot of us probably just skim over that long list or skip it altogether. And who can really blame anyone for this? It's filler, right? Not really worth our time. But every now and then, with a little bit of help from the Bible experts out there, the lists like this actually help us tell the story. They map out the comings and the goings of people. They act as a sort of mile marker along the way. Those genealogies, they connect and they buffer and they transition different chapters of the biblical story. The contours of scripture played out in lives and in deaths. Ancestors named their good reputations and their really bad ones. Their triumphs and their tragedies. Their struggles and their joys and their regrets and their successes of a people. From a practical view of things, genealogies helped map out the complexities of a really wild family tree for a nation of scattered and wandering peoples. This was an important part of Hebrew identity. One of God's favorite introductions is actually a little bit of genealogy. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Can't you just hear the generations of sometimes weary people reading together and wonder This God who did these astonishing things and made such extraordinary promises to men and women like this, our ancestors? This is our God too. This is our God too. Looking back actually helps us root and place ourselves and affords us a way to see and know new possibilities. What have we managed to hold on to? What have we lost? Can we really know where we're going if we don't know where we've been? Genealogies are also a reminder. They are a witness to an inescapable reality. That each of us is here for a span of time. We get to walk the earth and make our mark on this exquisite human existence until the day when it's our turn to rest in the earth with our ancestors. Matthew's gospel uses a list like this, reaching back across the sweeping pages of scripture, acting as a sort of interlude, an overture to the gospel, drawing together themes, connecting these chapters to the great big story. This montage of names roots and grounds this new story in the old stories, making a vital connection between the promises to the children of Israel and the new life of the church. If you follow the names of Matthew's genealogy, it retells the story of God's people, some of which we've been looking at and highlighting this past fall. It tells a story of promises and covenants, times of triumph and seasons of disappointment, a journey from liberation, and then into exile. And let's be clear, this isn't meant to be an exhaustive list. This inventory of names has a narrative purpose to it. Theological agenda. This family tree makes some really surprising editorial choices, and it leaves. Some key people out. Some of the big names you might expect to see, well, they just aren't there. For our purposes today, though, I'm hoping we can focus on the surprising people that the gospel writer chose to include. And for a start, unlike the genealogy you'll find in Luke's gospel, Matthew's gospel includes women on the list. I know, right? Strange and sad and and weird that it might be for people at FBC in 2019. It's certainly notable here in an ancient document like this. And just so we check ourselves, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that I Love Lucy couldn't get the word pregnant past the censors. And even if we look at our own times, our own day We still have a ways to go, don't we? Better yet, Matthew's list, these weren't the sorts of people that anyone would have expected. That's because these women were associated with the sorts of off-putting stories that people usually try and avoid. The sorts of stories that families quite often intentionally bury. Stories like this end up in the archive somewhere. People try and forget about them. Each of these women was the hero of their own strange and difficult circumstance. And not to put too fine a point on it, some really challenging cultural and moral and sexual dilemmas. Times when men did terrible things, or behaved carelessly, or behaved cluelessly. Complying blindly with the expectations of a culture. Times when cruel and terrible outcomes were only avoided because a woman took matters into her own hands and saved the day. If you have your pencil, Genesis 38 is a good start. You can make note of that. A little bit of light holiday reading around the hearth with your family. It tells a pretty crazy story of a woman named Tamar. She was a tenacious survivor who, with some spectacular resourcefulness and determination, disguised herself as a prostitute and hid her identity at great personal risk to her life. Also, she could seduce her father-in-law, Judah. Yeah, as in the son of Jacob, tribe of Judah, Judah. She did all this because he and his family had decided that she was probably cursed. And as such, he and his sons had failed to honor the familial obligations to her. <laughs> like I said, challenging sexual dilemmas, shocking gender dynamics, and some gutsy, gutsy, persistent women. You may remember Rahab, a Canaanite from Jericho, and a sex worker who became a hero when she sheltered and guided Joshua's spies to safety during the bloody conquest of Canaan. The book of Ruth tells the story of a Moabite woman, Moabites being a race of people who'd been scorned and despised and ridiculed for generations. You can make a note, and later you can read Genesis 19 if you want to know what all the scorn and ridicule was about. Well, as it turns out, Ruth used her best wiles and her charms and a whole lot of gumption and a lot of risk and scandal, all to win the heart of Boaz and secure her safety in a dangerous time. And then there's perhaps the most famous woman on the entire list who just gets called the wife of Uriah otherwise known as Bathsheba, the object of King David's lust in 2 Samuel. A woman taken and used by a corrupt king, carrying his baby. Naming her here as the wife of Uriah is a stark reminder, spotlighting the way that Bathsheba was made a widow by a king who used the murder of her husband to try and cover up the terrible mess that he'd made. It's one of the great tragedies of the David story, and there are many horrendous outcomes. And then, after all of this humiliation and terror, terror, Bathsheba gets taken as a sort of trophy wife. But the amazing part is she somehow becomes influential in her own way, helping her son Solomon become king. So I think it's safe to say this isn't just another boring names list. These are the stories that are highlighted in four names. And the gospel writer went way out of his way to hand pick and embrace these women. These are the bitter and strange ingredients baked right into the Jesus cake. These highlighted the ancestors of Jesus, each of them racial outsiders, brave and tenacious humans, heroes in the midst of God's people being terrible, terrible people. But that's not all. These amazing women, what are they doing here? How are they fitting into Matthew's Matthew's gospel? One more woman gets added to the genealogy another brave woman who found herself in a difficult situation, a scandal of its own sort. The gospel tells us Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child from the Holy Spirit. What a sad state of affairs for Mary and Joseph The appearance of unfaithfulness on Mary's part. The public shame and humiliation. Really, would any fiancé believe the Holy Spirit did this excuse? The virgin birth isn't an easy story for anyone. The Jesus story starts with its own strange scandal. The Gospel continues. Her husband Joseph being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. Joseph is a good guy, a great guy even, but even making the best of a bad situation is still a sad story. It's hard to see an upside for Mary here. How many scenarios went through Joseph's mind? A quiet divorce? Ugh. Even a quiet divorce leaves all kinds of room for speculation and whispers in a small town. It makes sense that it would take a visit, an intervention from the angel of the Lord. A voice from the heavenly dimension helps change Joseph's mind and assure him that he wasn't part of a sad and embarrassing story. He was witness and participant to a great miracle. In his own little town, in the womb of his fiance, in their little life, salvation of the world was taking shape. God with us. Even here in a list of names, the parts we could have skipped, the bit we might have passed right over, the story of God's wide and surprising mercy is being told. The lives of these five women serve as gospel mile markers for us. A reassurance to every one of the outsiders in the room. A comfort for people who've lived through their own terrible stories. A gift for anyone who felt like falling through the cracks made you invisible. The promise that God isn't looking for the A student with low cholesterol and perfect posture, and a perfect life. Friends, the whole venue of our lives is ripe for redemption. And God doesn't ignore or skip past the sad or the regrettable or the shameful or the embarrassing parts of us. They are included in the story, and they're not dirty little secrets. This, of course, is a glimpse of things to come. Because Jesus wouldn't only touch and heal and welcome and associate with people who have their own bad stories and embarrassing circumstances. They're named right here in his family tree. These women help root and place us, affording us new ways to know, new possibilities to see. Ways of knowing and seeing our own lives, our own complicated past, our anxious now. Hope for stories that we have yet to live out. Offering us glimpses of the strange ways of a loving God. Because this great sordid mess and scandal called the human race is on the ingredients list for this whole new thing God is doing. This awkward situation we find ourselves in, this is the world that Christ has come to save. Amen. Thanks be to God.